I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Yo, good morning, Celtics fans. A little bit of a hard pill to swallow coming into today after a resounding loss against the Golden State Warriors in Game 2 of the NBA Finals. I repeat, the NBA Finals. No Will today, no Greg. Both of them have got some stuff going on. Greg's moving house. He had a plumber coming round. And then Will had some prior engagement. So we've brought in a pinch hitter, a returning guest to the podcast. You may know him from Celtics blog, arguably the most creative writer there, definitely one of the most compelling writers there, Mr. Will. Will, I'm needing you to finish the name. Biana. There we go, Biana. See, uh, what's going on, dude? What's up, man? Uh, I'll just say morning instead of uh, good morning. I don't know. You know, it's, it can still be a good morning, but uh, it's, you know, bitter, bittersweet one here to, this morning, at least for us, the Celtics fans. But thank you for uh, having me back on to pinch hit. Hopefully I can get a couple RBIs in here. Um, maybe get on base, run around a little bit. Uh, always, always love the podcast. Easily one of my favorites to listen to. You are the one who's actually the most compelling writer at Celtics blog. So I just appreciate you having me on. We can go back and forth on this one. We yeah, both but, know really it's going to be Keith. But, I, um, right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Yeah, man. But man, I, I go with your sentiment. It's morning. There is no good. In it. Like, I watched the game today, so mm-hmm. while everybody was catching their Zs, I was going through the ringer that y'all had been through yesterday. I think the biggest thing for me was I came into this game, usually I'm super strict on myself not to check the scores. The last two, three weeks where every game's kind of been like the summit riding on it, I'm like, dude, I just have to know before I come into it. And it, it hasn't really sapped the enjoyment away, but man, halfway through this game, I just had to take a break. Yeah. Because there was so much going wrong. And yeah. like I've got an article coming out today. It might be out by the time people listen to this. And to be honest, I think you've just got a tippy cat towards Golden State. They did so much to really mess up the flow of the offense. They were picking guys up far higher up the floor. They were pinching on every penetration. They don't have the rim protection, but man, did they make life, dif- life difficult to even penetrate in the first place. And but I think Boston just you know that from the opening tip where Draymond uh, forced that um, second jump ball, like literally Horford gets the ball, Draymond gets on it. You could just see that there was a different level of intensity about them, and Boston just didn't know how to respond, man. Yeah, it's tough because you know, I was thinking about this yesterday. Golden State does not like getting punked. They never have liked getting punked, and we could say the same thing about the Celtics. You know, Celtics haven't lost two in a row since. I don't know, the Big Bang created this crazy thing we call Earth, but uh, Golden State has needed. I mean, Golden State's last two-game losing streak was actually a four-game losing streak. I'm looking at it right now from March 25th to March 30th. Um, Then they finished out the regular season winning five in a row and haven't lost two in a row since then. They don't, you know, they don't fall twice because... They're a caliber team and they have a caliber of player and a player that is built to respond to stuff like this. <clears throat> I think especially, you know, you, you 
or in your sixth finals in eight years, which is still insane to think about because for whatever reason, those finals wins seem so far away. Maybe that's just what the pandemic has done to us, but still it's, I mean, it's six out of eight years. They're obviously familiar with this stage. They're familiar with what can happen on this stage going both ways, what happened to them in game one and what they did last night. So yeah, going into the game for me, I was very 50, 50. I think like in our Celtics blog chat, I think that was probably the the term that was thrown to, thrown around the most liberally and fairly is that this game was going to be a 50-50 one. I was kind of in the camp where I think I thought it was either going to be a really, really close fight all the way to the end, like one of those classic finals games that really felt like down to the wire, I have no idea who's going to win this game. Or Golden State was going to come out, punch Boston in the mouth, and it was going to be their game from the jump. It didn't feel like that at the beginning, but even when they were only up by one at the end of the first quarter, it was like the Celtics were lucky to have been within one. And then at the end of the second quarter, when I believe it was 10, didn't feel great then. Didn't feel like Boston was actually only within 10. It felt like Golden State had been spurring a run right towards the end of the half and kind of took that extra step going into halftime. And classic third quarter really did it in um that's the thing right like go you the last place you ever want to be is dan 10 going into a third quarter against golden state like to me that was where the biggest concern was and i'll let you continue now but i just really want to emphasize how bad that must feel from being in the, being in the arena to being on the team, knowing you're down ten against a team that usually picks up the pace in that third quarter, and that's the that could be the thing that swings this series one way or another. Unfortunately, and I don't want to reduce it to that because I think both of these teams are better than that. But we have seen time and again that Golden State plays some of their best basketball, if not their best basketball, in the third quarter. And Boston, for whatever reason, plays its worst. I don't know what it is. I, you know, it's not the same thing, but I was thinking about it all night and this morning. Like, when I was in high school, I was riding the pine on my varsity basketball team. We were, it was beaten into us that if we come out slow in the third quarter, every starter is getting pulled. We're putting in the bench lineup just to send a message and be like, you guys are going to put forward the effort. Let's have somebody who will, because the third quarter is the most important quarter. You don't, if you're up, you don't want to become stagnant. And if you're down, you don't want to come out like you're down. You want to come out like get guns ablaze. And this is it. Like crunch time, balls to the wall, get back in the game. And the Celtics just don't seem to do that. Whereas the Warriors seem more alive Every single time I see them play a third quarter, whether last night it was Jordan Poole who really found his stride offensively. Still, he's kind of, you know, a piece of loose tissue paper on defense floating around. But, like, offensively, he, he really started to get it going. Draymond's intensity really got to the Celtics. Um, Steph Curry did what he does defensively. The Warriors, I thought were really, really sound. It wasn't even just that the Celtics couldn't make shots like they couldn't in game one's third quarter until the last couple minutes, but Golden State defended better in this third quarter. They played their version of their, their brand of offense that 
teams simply cannot let them have like free flowing ball moving around a mile a minute, everybody moving constantly. I don't know if Boston got tired. I don't know if it was just the momentum that went Golden State's way at the end of the first half just continued to carry. But whatever it is, I mean, I'm going to you said you had an article coming out later today. I don't know if it'll be today, but definitely within the next two days, I'm looking at the third quarters just over the course of this entire playoffs because, I mean, it's at this point, I feel like we're just beating that that two-word phrase, third quarter, like a dead horse. It's But it's it's what happens every single time. It feels like we're watching the same movie over and over again. So, yeah, it was frustrating um, watching it. I rewatched it this morning, and I, I wish I hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> I always try to rewatch the games just before I write, especially to kind of get a better sense of, okay, here's exactly what happened as I go dive into the film a little bit. And Frank, I don't think I learned much more <laughs> this morning rewatching it. I think I could have safely avoided it and just gone, gone to write, but just for the sake of posterity, I wanted to. And yeah, I don't, if anybody out there is pondering, whether or not to rewatch this game to try to get a better grasp of what happened. Don't just look at the box score. Look at the third quarter score, second half score, really. Um, Cause yeah, it was, a, it was pretty, pretty much a travesty, but it was one that I expected. I think, I think I wasn't so much 50, 50 after all, I think probably in hindsight, of course it's 2020, but uh, yeah, I think this was, this was bound to be the response that Golden State brought and Boston just didn't match it. I think, so let's go to the third quarter discussion because this isn't new. Right, this has been an issue for the Celtics since 2020. Since 2020, in the NBA bubble, we were keeping tally. Multiple people, including myself, was keeping tally of what the Celtics' third quarter record was. We didn't care about the results. We cared about how you could, how the Boston Celtics were doing in that third. And that same issue is rearing its head again. Now it's the same core. It's still Jason Tatum. It's still Marcus Smart. It's still Jaden Brown. Okay, Al Horford's back now. But those third quarter issues aren't something that we can pin on Udoka. And at the time, everybody, that was when the Boston is tuning out Brad Stevens kind of discussions first reared their head. Now, I've said this on this show before. We're too soon into Udoka's tenure. Udoka has been too successful in his first year to be worried about that. So that tells me that this third quarter issue was never about the head coach. There was other issues that could, were definitely down to people tuning out Brad. But the third quarter was definitely not one of them because we wouldn't be seeing them now. And I don't know whether it's a lack of application, whether it's they ride the momentum. So, you know, when Boston do win third quarters, they've generally had a solid first half. You know, with not too many road bumps, and they kind of ride that momentum into the third. They haven't found a way yet. In the fourth quarter, they've found a way to kind of grab the game by the neck and drag themselves back in. But they haven't found a way to do that coming into a set of third quarter after a half where they've been outplayed. Now, what you said that your um, high school coach would have pulled your guys back then. Well, Udoka did that in the fourth very early on. Now, some people could be like, well, the game was out of reach. And my argument is, well, you could have done that in game one. Right. But he's, he's stuck with the starters and look what happened. That, to me, was very much a message. You know, you play one minute of the fourth quarter and then you're getting pulled. And right. I just don't see why 
would you do it so early, knowing what the team's capable of in terms of a, a big-time comeback? So I think that was Adoka sending a message. He gave them the entire third quarter to kind of figure out whether or not these... Well, to give these guys opportunities to figure stuff out. They didn't. The energy was flat. He went with Neesmith to try and give that an energy punch. You know, you've got Neesmith, Pritchard, Grant Williams, Derek White, and Daniel Tice. Outside of Daniel Tice, that's four high-energy guys that bring predominantly energy... That's what they are. They're impact players. That's a bit disrespectful to Derek White, but you know he falls in that energy category. But, um, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying. I think that's fair. Continue. So I think there was a message being sent there, and I think that this third quarter kind of collapse is definitely something that needs addressing. I don't know how you do that. I don't know because this isn't an X's and O's thing. This is a coming to play thing. Yeah. You know, this is a we're geared up for this game. Like Draymond Green was. He had his fingerprints all over this in the in the mental side of things. You know, he started as soon as the game one ended. Oh, you know, it was Al Horford and Derek White that beat us. Those guys, like as if to be like the role players beat right. us. Do you know what I mean? Never mention the fact that Tatum had a bad shooting night. He, the mind right. game started early. He comes into game two. He's drawing everybody. He's physical. There was a play that I'm gonna. I really wanted to post on Twitter where um. He sets the screen on Marcus Smart for Steph. So screens for Steph. Marcus Smart's mm-hmm. defending. This is in the first, first quarter. Yep. Smart goes over the screen, and Draymond literally hooks his arm so he can't trail on Steph. No whistle, no nothing. But that sort of thing is that little mental aspect. Because yep. I was like, yeah, how can you not be calling this? You've just hooked the dude's arm. He can't go nowhere. Um, so I'm like, Draymond Green is the master. I've put it out on Twitter. He's the Severus Snape. He's the master of the dark arts. He knows how to manipulate the the underbelly of the game. And I think that at the moment, while Boston have players capable of doing that, they're still, they're not as nice as they used to be. They're far more physical, far more like in your face. But I think there's still aspects of this, like being a top tier team and being that villain, having that someone play that villain role that they haven't accustomed themselves to yet. And that villain role, to me, is what gave Golden State such a big edge in game two. I completely agree. Yeah, I mean, to to talk about Drake, well, real quick, I want to correct something that I said earlier. I'm looking at the box score again. I thought, (laughs) don't know why I misremembered this, having having watched it twice now. I thought Boston was down by more going into the halftime. (laughs) They were down by two. They had lost. About like 10. It felt like 10. I genuinely, like, I, I kid you not, I have now watched it twice. And I thought they were down by more because it was there was such momentum in the opposite direction going into halftime. Anyway, yeah, again, looking at the score, it's freaking, you lose the first two quarters by a total of two points and you win the fourth quarter by 10, but there's the third quarter. It's a 21-point disadvantage. And uh, for me, it's like, man, like, if you look at the way... If you look at the way Golden State played defense, and this is the entire premise of my piece, right? In game one, it was very spread out. They were collapsing on penetration. They were um, trying to run shooters off the three-point line, but it was very man-to-man, and a little bit. Of, and then you had your box and one, and a little bit of zone. But it wasn't pressure defense. You know what I mean? It was very much a containing defense. Game two, they're pinching. They're pick, they're pick up points that sometimes were like at the logo or the halfway line. Yep. Um, and then they're playing passing lanes everywhere. They're contesting every single pass. They're jumping passing lanes. They're trailing in that little passing pocket. 
and it's high pressure, full intensity defense. Pretty much, if I remember correctly, there was almost, I don't think there was any zone, or if there was, it was minimal. It yeah. was all man to man, high pressure. Yep. And we've seen Boston struggle with that type of defense before. You know, where it's like we're in your face, we're under you, and now we're going to bully you. And Tatum especially seems to wilt in those situations. Now, I thought Tatum had a good game. He was smoking hot from free. But yeah. there are times where he like he starts to fade. Jalen Brown is – you do just if you're Jalen Brown and they're playing high-pressure defense, don't put the ball on the floor. Um, you pass immediately. You have to get rid of it immediately. I mean, either stand in a triple threat and try to draw something – but you keep, you're not going to beat anybody with the triple anyway. And then you got Al Horford, who, and I want to just, I want to get your thoughts on him because I think this was an uncharacteristic evening from Al Horford. Yeah, it's to go back to Draymond for just a second. I, as much as some of the stuff he does, a lot of the stuff he does frustrates me because much of it, like you know, we've we've said it, much of it isn't basketball. I also would throw in the caveat that there are parts of basketball that just aren't about basketball necessarily, but benefit your overall basketball mission. Draymond, in terms of being a mind game, you know, manufacturer, he is second to none. He said after the game that, you know, he has a longer leash because he wears that ability like a badge of honor. Um, you know, whether that's true or not, whatever. Um, I, I will give him a little bit of credit, though, because I, you know, leaving game one, part of me is like, is he def- is he trying to deflect here and just be like, we just got punked, so I need to really minimize what the Celtics did that was genuinely a genuine accomplishment and make it out to be a, like a fluke. Part of me was like, is he deflecting frustration? Or does he actually believe that? And he, either way, no matter what it was, he 100% backed it up. He individually and Golden State as a as a unit punked Boston, and especially in the third quarter. They won the mind game. Draymond fed into it. Probably should have been ejected um, because of the dust up with Jalen in the second quarter. But I understand why he wasn't. Um, you know, because it's it could go either way, and they don't want to. They probably don't want to eject him because um, God only knows what he'd say on his podcast afterward. Um, but yeah, he credit to him, credit to him on top of all the, all the BS he pulled. Anyway, on to out. Yeah. He kind of did the opposite. Did not back up game one. Um, it was an uncharacteristic performance. I didn't think he was very sound defensively. I think it almost looked like his legs weren't there and I'm not one to, you know, Mark Jones, who I, who I like, um, he made a point. It's like, man, I mean, it's a 36-year-old man out there. It's like, okay, well, he's also like in the 0.0001% of 36-year-old human beings who can pull off these sort of athletic feats. Like I know Al sometimes looks a little clunky out there. And a lot of people were joking about his release point on Twitter after his game because it was almost like this is the first time they'd ever seen him play basketball. And they were like, why does he shoot like that? Um, I don't know, but it but it works. This was not the kind of performance that you want to remember, nor that probably anybody will remember for any good reason from Al. He, he just, he didn't really, he didn't show up offensively. 
the same way. I, I want to, I mean, yeah, two points. shots it was it was one of those nights it's like okay it's eight rebounds great you get a block you got two turnovers you got two fouls so you weren't in foul trouble and you only take four shots they they were pressuring him enough and he's not the kind of guy who can create off the dribble he really needs to be found in order to create his own shot from from deep especially like he's not going to do it by himself unless he has this head of steam and he can work in the post and they didn't give him the opportunity to do that with a lot of bully ball and he was probably the most inefficient guy on the floor for a lot of the time, other than maybe Marcus. Um, Jalen had his issues too, but yeah, I mean, I want to see how Al responds, especially in game three going home. Not necessarily that going home has always been a good thing for Boston in this postseason, but I don't know. He, he had, in my estimation, he had been the best player on the Celtics over the course of the playoffs or at the very least the most important, which is almost arguably much more important than being the best player. Um, and the fact that he was so inefficient and so underwhelming, almost borderline invisible last night was a real testament to how the rest of the game was going to go. And then you look at the defensive end as well. And I want to stick with Horford for a yeah, moment. Do it. Because we spoke about his offense. And I think that, you know, just to touch on the offense, we saw some um, mid-post isolations from Horford where usually he'd kick the ball back out to the perimeter and instead he tried to bully his way. And, you know, I think, yeah, it was Clay Thompson. He had, he had a mismatch on Clay and he just couldn't move him. There was just no strength there. So, you know, this is Which a 36-year-old man. Like, I know that Clay is, is deceptively stronger than he lets on, but I mean, Al is a superhuman. He's 6'9, six, <laughs> he's six, 270 or whatever he is, pure muscle. The guy is a superhuman. And he couldn't back him down. And he couldn't move Clay Thompson. So, kudos, kudos to, to Golden State, but it's there were a lot of things that surprised me offensively. Anyway, continue. Sorry. And then defensively, what I found was, and this isn't just Al, but I think Al was to blame on a fair few of them, uh, as was Robert Williams, to be fair, but nobody was picking up Looney, and Looney was just eating in that donker spot on the weak side. Al would rotate over to offer help defense on somebody that had penetrated, or Rob would do so. Nobody was communicating who needs to sink back and split the difference between their men. Nobody was picking up like and there was a play, I tweeted it out, and it was um Looney, two guys on the weak side switch onto the perimeter, leave Looney. Nobody talks to each other. It's just, hey, this guy's got the ball, let's all just go at him. Looney gets the ball, easy finish. And we saw that time and time again. We saw it off corner crashes, which I've been really big on, like Golden State are exceptional. Uh, corner crashing, uh, both on rebounds and on secondary plays. Um, and Horford's usually really good at reading those and like directing traffic, you know, pointing out, hey, don't let this corner crash come. Or he'll rotate over or split the difference himself. So he's there to take that body. And I just think that both Horford and Rob Williams on the defensive end were 
two or three steps too slow. Nobody, including Smart, who was fairly decent defensively, to be fair, but yep. nobody seemed to be communicating. It it was like we were watching 2021 Boston again. It, it really was. It was a lot of isolation, a lot of single-pass um, offense. Rotations were slow. There was no communication, and nobody seemed to be trying to fire each other up. Usually you can see them patting each other on the back, pushing each other, like trying to amp guys up. There was none. Of, there was just no camaraderie. So whether they've been out in San Francisco and they all like you know fell out in a club or you know some girl got in between them, I don't know what would have happened. But there's something there that definitely affected their team spirit or their ability to operate as a unit because this was just not the same Celtics team that rallied back a few days earlier. Again, I don't want to. You know, I feel like saying it all comes down to one thing that really changed in this game doesn't give enough credit to Golden State, nor does it, nor, nor does it, you know, fairly credit Boston for what they've done before this point. But there is one person who continues to be the common denominator between all of these different things, and he took a lot of attention away from Boston playing their game and Boston playing together because he won the mind games and that's Draymond Green. I will say it again. Again, like I don't want to take all that credit away from Boston, nor do I want to take all that credit away from Golden State for making proper adjustments. And I think Boston is a lot better than being taken away by one guy. But just to unpack a couple different things, right? You mentioned Al is not, you know, rotating defensively, getting back defensively. Same with Rob. Rob, God bless him. The guy is working on maybe three toes, not one leg. It's like a couple of toes at this point. I, I don't, I want him in an infirmary between every single game with like 11 nurses attending to each knee. I like I whatever we got to do give him iron man legs I don't care at this point do whatever you have to do but if he has to run another 7 steps I honestly think he might need to get something amputated anyway um Marcus defensively very sound he always is you know he does his thing you mentioned one thing that I really want to touch on and it's they did not play Together, it didn't seem like anybody's patting anybody on the back. Anybody's coming together into a huddle being like, what the heck? There was no mic'd up moment that you could have pulled from tonight other than like exasperated size, I think, from Boston. There's one guy who is often at the center of those huddles when he's on floor screaming, probably talking a bit too much and not actually adding all that much value, but his constant energy, that's Grant Williams. He was totally taken out of the game by Draymond. He's still very young. Every single time the camera landed on Grant Williams, he was trying to get in Draymond's head, and you're not going to do that. It's like trying to get in Doctor Strange's head. It's not going to happen. Like, Doctor Strange, you try to get in his head, he's just going to be like, no, I'm looking at 14 billion outcomes, and you're not one of them. Okay, so... This is where our ages differ because I would have gone with Magneto because of the helmet. Well, stuff. yeah, I, they, the stuff Xavier getting into his head. Just an age difference. Continue. No, continue. no, you're you're 100 right, and that's short sighted on my part. 
we can edit oh that. no 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 it's just funny no it's uh i mean it's he has that effect on people and as i said boston's better than that golden state's more than that so it's not all draymond i'm being facetious when i say it's one common denominator but look around and a lot of attention is being paid to these little intricacies that Draymond is pulling or that, you know, Steph making shots and, and shimmying or making faces or hugging Jordan. I mean, look, just look at the difference between sometimes it does come down to body language. Sometimes, yes, you don't execute and that's why you lose a game, but you can also just tell the entire game flips on something like body language at, at certain points in time. Look at the difference in that third quarter, especially Jordan Poole is hitting shots from ridiculous range, which I was fully prepared to start writing an article or working on an article about how Boston was taking Jordan Poole out of this series. And sure enough, he shoots himself right back into it. Kudos. Kid's incredibly talented. He, he, has, he has a gift to get hot, unlike, or, yeah, unlike few players in the league are capable of. But... It, Steph is hugging him after he's draining a three. Golden State's firing up their own crowd, which that crowd, despite it being in San Francisco now and not Oakland, it still can get loud. Boston just did not, it didn't seem like anybody was connected. The thing is, we can name this game the same name as his podcast. It was the Draymond Green show. <laughs> it, it, it was, and look. Keyword, show. Yeah, that's the key. We weren't the Draymond Green game. He took control of every single narrative. And as you said, Grant Williams was trying his best to be Boston's version, but you're too young. And Draymond's a, he's a master at this, and he's come up against people a lot more incendiary than you. Like, yeah, that's the right word. But like, um, when I'm looking around and I'm like, man, the body language was poor, the effort level was low. I don't even think, like, you know, I don't even think there was four or five really good offensive sets. Yeah. Boston, I feel like a lot of it was just, it was just open motion flow offense where you had to grind out. Now, don't get me wrong, Tatum got, got went on a heater at the beginning, and, you know, his shot looks good. But all of a sudden, Tatum goes back into welcome, doing... Which was a very welcome sight to see, because of it course... Was going to respond but if there's one thing to take away from the game you know that at least jason tatum played very very well offensively despite everything else that he wasn't doing but the downside to jason tatum scoring like that like getting hot in a game like this where there's no cohesion is he refer he reverts back to being a scorer being a self yep self creator self self scorer and I mean, even Anna Horford tweeted out like Jason, you know, when a player's sister's saying something, like <laughs> I did feel like, but I don't feel like Tatum was the only one. I feel like that was, Tatum was a symptom of a greater kind of like ailment. It was, you know, Hor- Horford went ISO a lot. Even Marcus Smart. I mean, some of Smart's passes were absolutely mind-boggling in the first quarter. Um, really, really bad. Five turnovers for the game. Just, I mean. It's 33 not. points off their turnovers. That's how many points that this was a 17 point game. No, it was a 19 point game. Was it 17 or 19? 19 was the biggest. Yeah. League. So it ended 107, 88. So it was a 19 point game, 33 points lost on turnovers, yeah. you know? And I'm like, 
my outlook on it is there's two ways you could turn the ball over unforced and forced. Right? Unforced is egregious. You have no excuse. Two of Marcus Smart's early um, turnovers where there were both passes to Tatum and both wide in the mark were unforced. They're egregious. Not happy. But he's been exceptional as a playmaker all season. Everybody has a bad game. You move on. The remainder of Boston's turnovers were all forced. Like, Golden State knew what they were doing. And part, and to honestly, I came away from the second watch because I've watched it twice today. Um, feeling like game one was them playing possum. That's how I felt. I was like, yo, these guys played possum, got you all up in your comfort zone and just came and slapped the life out of you. You, yeah. you were looking around like, who's got the number of that truck? Like, it really was a a plain possum moment where they just come out so savage and so rampant in that first quarter. And then they just sustain that level of intensity. And now Boston know what it means to be in an NBA finals. And I think this was your, if you, if even as a budding superstar like Tatum, I feel like last night's game for all of the Celtics roster period, even Horford 30, going to be retiring soon. True veteran. This was your welcome to the league moment. Yep. Absolutely. I think that, you know, we haven't really talked much about Derek White. He had a really poor offensive game as well. 4-13, he was forcing a lot. Um, This was one of those nights where you almost want him to just kind of back off offensively a little bit. I like that he wants to create, but it's almost one of those moments where it's like, it's not going to be, they're they're taking you away because they saw what you did in in the fourth quarter of game one, when you're open and feeling yourself, Golden State does a really good job of at least taking somebody away. Um, you know, they don't hunt, as we've, as we've noted a lot, but if, if they need to defensively, they will take players out of the game, whether it's mental like Draymond was capable of or just hounding you on the shots that you typically can get off. That, that did not happen for Derek White, so he was forcing a lot. But that's for him, again, like you mentioned, this is one of those welcome to the league moments. It's, you are in the finals for the first time as a team since 2010, and this entire group's first time. Zero games, you know, we talked a lot, and there was a lot of talk about zero versus 123. Well, now you have two versus 125, and emphasis on that second game, because this... Game one was great. Game one, you come out in that fourth quarter and at the end of the third into the fourth, that was a really big, like, oh, no, we're here. We're here and we're not, it, like, we're not going to get messed with, to use a less colorful word. Uh, and this isn't going to be that trot through game one, trot through the games in San Francisco and, and be up 2-0 going back to Boston. We're going to make it tough on you. And guess what? We stole one. Well, Golden State responds and says, you might be here, but we've been here. Okay? We know how this works. We know what it feels like to show up when you got to show up. You guys didn't. We're going to take advantage of it. That's it. And now we move on to game three, where, in my opinion, this is a pride game. 100%. It's your first game in Boston. In a finals since 2010. We talked about self-pride. Figure it out. Yeah, don't you dare lose game three. Can't lose game three. 
You lose game four, it, you you split both ways, and it's a three-game series. But I don't even want to think about game four yet, because if you lose game three, you've got some real stuff to start worrying about. Well, you've got some answers to that. You're going to have to answer some hard questions. Oh, yeah. You know no, what I mean? Because questions. You, 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 what happened there? Like, hey, you guys know what this is, right? This is Boston. <laughs> For me, it's more along the lines of, like, you lost a bunch of games at home against Miami. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You need to give this Celtics credit, like, you know, you considering how expensive tickets are, you need to give this Celtics credit a show. But more importantly, not once in this playoffs have you lost back-to-back games. You need to keep that type of momentum yep. behind you and prove that you're – because otherwise, all of a sudden, that streak's been broken – and that kind of like mysteriousness, like well, Boston lost, that means they're going to come back and really turn it on and get like you. That's like a slight mental edge that you hold over an opponent because they're like, dude, this team doesn't lose after it loses. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But the same could be said about Golden State, and they've come back and proved it and kept that mysteriousness around them. So now it's Boston's turn. Is this good? Like, I had this going as a six game series, I've still got it going as a six game series. Uh, mainly because a game seven in San Francisco scares the life out of me. Me too. So I'm going to say that Boston come back and win game three. I don't think it's going to be pretty at all. Nope. It's going to be it's great. A, yeah. This is going to be an amazing series. But game two, as we wrap it up, game two for me was a throwback to some of the more bleaker times in the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Celtics era. Yeah, no, that's a great way to. That's a great way to punctuate it. They were not their best. Tatum scores a lot as he does. Shot the ball fairly well, eight and nineteen. Jalen sh- did not show up. Um, as you said, he can't put the ball on the floor. He's going to get immediately hounded and end up turning it over. It was this was one of those games where. I would hope Boston doesn't wash their hands of it and say, okay, clean slate, we're, we're starting over in game three because I think they really need to think long and hard about what went wrong in particular in this game because you can't just reduce it to body language and to energy, but that was a lot of it. There were a lot of executional errors as well. Going to practice today and tomorrow. You know, iron out some of those wrinkles. A lot. Send us all an apology card because some of us had to sit through that twice. That's four yeah. hours... Come on now. I I at least had I at least got to sleep. You had to deal with it. I watched it, went and ate lunch, had a coffee, came back and watched it again. Did you have a whiskey after? No, nah, because it's morning time. Yeah, that's true. Well, we work from home. We do, we do, but I still have like responsibility. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right then, Will, man, before we go, do you want to let everyone know where they can find you, find your work, whether you're doing anything solo that's going to blow up? I know you was doing a newsletter for a hot minute. Yeah, we are. Um, I am working on a newsletter, basketball-specific one, that I don't know if the off-season is the best time that I want to come out with it. And I know that I'm way too busy with the Celtics and the finals to really get it rolling properly, but it might come out in the off-season. Um, so we'll see. I got my cousin Jess is a brilliant artist and she's already put together some logos for it. And I'm, I'm really thrilled to actually start putting it out there. We'll see when that comes out. But eventually, Let everyone know, man, is it a basket? Is it an NBA newsletter? Is it a Celtics newsletter? I mean, is it? It'll be an NBA. 
probably a little bit of WNBA as well. Crossing yes, over all, 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 uh, all corners of the game, maybe some college too, if we want to get a little crazy. I, no, I just love, I love this game and I want to write about it even more than I, than I do for the sites I already write for. But at the moment, that's not out yet. It will be. And I'll, I'll be sure to blast that what it is right now. Obviously, find me on Celtics blog. Find me at the handle below at Um And if I'm lucky enough, hopefully down the line, I can be found again on this podcast with the great Adam Taylor, hopefully talking about some wins. I've never heard anyone call me the great Adam Taylor, but thank you very much. Yeah, thank thank you. you very much. Um, and you will be back on again, so don't you worry about that. Everybody, as usual, you know the score. Please, uh, if you haven't left a review, please go ahead. Five stars, write something nice. If you don't want to write nothing nice, DM me and tell me why, and we'll figure <laughs> that out too. Um, word of mouth is huge for growing this show. So, you know, if you're down at the, your local barbershop, make sure you're telling everyone there. If you're loaded and you buy yachts, then tell your yacht salesman. You know, if you're in... Um, if you're going to the book, if you're at the bar, everybody at the bar should know. I know some people hit me up about stickers for their laptops and their backpacks and stuff. So uh, we're definitely going to look into that. And then, obviously, if you can tweet this out, share it on Instagram, share it on uh, Reddit, or even if you're a web developer and you've designed your own social media that no one uses, just post it there too. That's cool. <laughs> Until next time. Thank you for listening. You will catch us back on Wednesday when I will most likely be joined by Will. Let's hope that we all feel a little bit better by then. Well, different Will, but Will, thank you very much for joining me today, man. I appreciate you. Much appreciated.